We started in hard times to bring us all in. Welcome to Public Power Underground's holiday special, which will serve as our season three finale. Public Power Underground is Public Power's premier infotainment program that covers public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective. This is Paul Dockery, and I have the incredible honor of being the creative director of Public Power Underground and manager of Klatskin IPUD's power department. Part of that distinct honor of being an executive producer, writer, all the things that went into this. Now, uh, I don't have to do as much editing and publishing, thankfully, thanks to News Data Collaboration. Uh, But I get to bestow upon our guests honorary titles. And I don't know if y'all been on LinkedIn today, but there have been a couple posts of these new placards uh, that are official Public Power Underground placards. If you're on YouTube, you probably just showed it to me. All you have to do, if you have been given an honorary title, is to put that in your LinkedIn profile, and then we will get you a placard at some point. It's great. Anyway. This is the holiday special, and we're joined by some incredible guests. Joining me first is the newest honorary member of the Power Department, the Director Emeritus of Bonneville's Fish and Wildlife Program, the future Deputy Director of PNUC, and the Leslie Nope of Public Power. Crystal Ball, Crystal, welcome back to Public Power Underground. (laughs) Paul, thanks for having me back on such a festive episode. Are you going to talk about what we're looking like? Because I, I think I'm pretty cute Christmas. You do. Here. You are. We we all have very festive <laughs> gear on. Um, there will also be some very festive. Uh, video to go with the energy carols later so if you want to jump on youtube and just see it uh uh i don't know that i can describe in words crystal what we're wearing well you look spectacular i'll just take that compliment actually uh i reject don't you don't need to go on youtube just take crystal's word for it (laughs) (laughs) joining crystal and i as this week's special celebrity guest star is seattle city Light's Energy Innovation and Resources Officer, who's making his first appearance on Public Power Underground, Emeka Anyanwu. Welcome to Public Power Underground. Thank you, Paul. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you all. I, I think you've uh, greatly diminished the word celebrity by attributing it to me. So um, you might want to. You know, it's a it's a scale. Uh, you remember in college where they would give a grade on a curve. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think celebrity applies. It's great. Uh, I I will follow Crystal's lead and describe your sweater with the text, Dear Santa, define good. It's great. That's great. Great, Rebecca. I love the vibe. This is going to be fun. Are you ready for this? I don't know that you really know. Yeah, I don't. Ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Perfect. Well, coming up as, as another celebrity guest. Joining us is Russ Manifel. Russ is the acting slice manager for the Bonneville Power Administration. Uh, a once stand-up comedian. I did see a picture of you doing stand-up, Russ. So that means you're a once stand-up comedian. And our other guest star for the week, also on your first appearance. Welcome, Russ. Russ, welcome to Public Power Underground. That's some deep Googling. You must. That's that's a little terrifying. And uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll say that... Uh, this outfit has about a 99% overlap with what I would normally be wearing this time of day. Yeah. So, uh, really curious that. about that 1%. Like, it feels like it's a 100% overlap. Like, you would just be wearing this in. That's the. That's the more professional okay. part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> also, I, I, did, I didn't Google for it, thankfully. We, you may have a mole in your history, is all I'll say. Ah, yeah, fair enough. I respect that. Are you ready for this, Russ? That. I mean, 
you're a very official person, and this is is very very low key over here. We're I'm I'm ready to go, and I'm wearing my uh, Bruce Springsteen Christmas in Asbury Park and, outfit. And so let's uh. Let's, Let's light, light this, candle. this candle. Let's go for it. Public Power Underground is a collaboration between Klatsk and IPUD and News Data, something I won't let News Data forget. So joining us this week as News Data's podcast ambassador is Mark Orenshaw. Mark, you're making your first appearance as co-host, though you have made several appearances as special guest correspondents. Uh, and I'm very happy to have the publisher and editor-in-chief of News Data. Welcome to the holiday special, Mark. Well, thank you very much, Paul. It's an honor to be here. I guess co-host is a, a good honorific. I'll, I'll accept it. And I feel like I'm underdressed in terms of my hat. I don't have the conventional holiday greeting. This is my uh, uh, kind of ancient ski cap that also doubles as um, hiding my uh, receding hairline. So I think it's kind of a it's kind of a dual purpose uh, get up here. So yeah, whatever I would describe that hat as, I would never describe it as underdressed. That is the perfect <laughs> hat. It is It is ideal for the circumstance. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, this is going to be a fun cast and crew. It's going to, we got, I, what I do need, we have a lot of first time people, so we need to keep you engaged and uh, with the vibe here. So uh, I will, uh, let's get us into the vibe, Mark. We're going to be, it's an energy themed uh, episode, energy holiday themed episode, and we're going to be doing the energy carols. So can you tell us a little bit about News Data's tradition of publishing energy carols and then introduce a special guest performance? Sure, I'd be happy to, Paul. So I did a lot. Of, I did extensive research um, in my garage, which has the archives of the clearing up issues dating back to 1982. It's a very, very deep archive that's literally sitting in cardboard boxes. And the first reference I could find to a holiday carol came in December 1985, when my predecessor Cyrus Noy, who I think um, some and many of you know, is the, the was the founder and, and my predecessor as, as publisher. He wrote uh, a ode uh, to one of the many, many lawsuits that were uh, coming out of the Washington Public Power Supply System's uh, ill-fated nuclear power plant program to the tune of Jingle Bells. And I'd be happy to sing it to you, but I don't want to ruin your ratings. But I can say that 1985 is the first known appearance of the holiday carols in Clearing Up and subsequently in California energy markets. And we've followed that tradition for every year since, um, including this year. We're looking forward to it. So and I, that's a quick history. I, I don't want to belabor the history, but uh, that's that's what I got for I you. I love it. Uh, it. It is also very, uh, very appropriate that he, no pulling of punches in the ode odes to uh lawsuits and i don't and i think uh from what i've seen in the sneak preview there were no punches pulled in this edition either no no i think that's that's fair to say and just a little uh side note i'm not sure if any of you know that was really how clearing up got its start was covering the lawsuits that came out of whoops okay. so we were we were born out of uh out of that that uh unfortunate situation so and we're still here you're still doing great work as is one of the nuclear plants so so there you go perfect <laughs> Hey, Mark, 85, um, that's a long time. And uh, I, I'm impressed that you haven't ever had to like repeat a Christmas carol. There's well, a lot of now, creativity on the staff. To be honest, Crystal, I've not read every year's carol, so I can't say that they've never been repeated. Oh, I, I do know that Cyrus's oyster dressing recipe, we have used that um, more than one occasion. So I, I can vouch for that from personal knowledge. So. 
<laughs> is it getting re- wow, reprinted this year? I've never, I don't have any oyster dressing recipes. Well, you know, if you wanted, Paul, you might have some sway with the publisher. So we'll, we'll see if we can make that work. Okay, we'll see if we can find it. Uh, Mark, can you go ahead and introduce our first carol? Sure. Our first energy-themed carol is Dan Bedberry performing his own energy-themed carol titled, Careful Cause It's Time Change. Said groggy ones to people everywhere. Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Where up in the sky is the sun? Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? No stars, no stars. Dancing in the night. It is darkness, morning till night. It is darkness, morning till night. Said the groggy ones to people everywhere. Do you know what day it is? Do you know what day it is? There's ringing in my ears, I have no joy. Do you know what day it is? Do you know what day it is? I'm in my sweats. Stocks and tea every day, no matter who I see. Every day, no matter who I see. Said the CEO to employees everywhere. Careful, cause it's time change. Careful, cause it's time change. Wear bright clothes when walking everywhere. Careful cause it's time change Careful cause it's time change You may think you're sleeping in the night When it's 2 p.m. and skies are dark as night When it's 2 p.m. and the skies are dark as night Do you know what time it is? Cause it's time change Careful cause it's time change Thank you so much to Dan Bedberry. It was a talk about a coup. I really pulled that one off, you know? I needed some seasonal time change jingles. Uh, Dan wrote, he performed. Excellent, Carol. Very excited. So thank you to Dan. Uh, like a prestige drama, Public Power Underground can't have more than 12 episodes in a season, which means this is our season finale. So on today's end-of-year holiday special, we're going to cover uh, all of the biggest stories of energy from 2021. We're going to prognosticate on some new uh, headlines for 2022 in a segment we're calling Crystal Ball. And we're going to break it all up with guest performances of energy-themed carols, just like Dan's. They're not all about seasonal time change, though. If it were up to me, they'd be on seasonal time change and Ted Lasso and uh, not a, a, not necessarily all things energy. Maybe a Star Wars one? What do you think, Emeka? Did we need a Star, Star Wars-themed uh, carol? 
Oh, I mean, uh, I, as I as I told you, I, I'm OG Star Wars, so you know, I'm always up for a, 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 a Star Wars themed. Uh, you care? We'll get some Boba Fett in there, you know. Introduce some new Ewoks. I, have some fun. I feel like there's some like the Force. I mean, is very energy themed. If there, if we can't get an energy theme out of the Force, what are we doing here? Right? Yeah, you know, it surrounds us. It binds us. It, you know, whatever the line is from the movies. Yeah, just like electrons. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's get into it. So uh, for the structure of this part of the 2020 News Energy News Countdown segment, I have asked Emeka, Russ, and Crystal to compile their top five news stories of 2021. Um, And I also asked Mark, because we do want a little bit of objectivity here, to compile News Data's most read news stories of 2021 on News Data's website. So we're going to go into a Zach Lowe podcasting technique where we just start with a story and we just see where we go. We're going to roll with it. Um, I hope we're all uh, going to be ready to have some fun. We are doing this as a countdown. Sometimes you count up, sometimes you count down on Zach Lowe's NBA podcast. This time we're going to count down because it feels a little bit like New Year's Eve, you know, it's like makes sense to count down on a New Year's episode. Um, and Emeka, I am going to start with you. What is your number five news story for 2021? Energy news story. Sure. So, yeah, shockingly and, and, and perhaps controversially, my number five is going to be uh, Representative Simpson's wall or the, uh, the Columbia Basin proposal that, that we all saw earlier this year. So uh, the Simpson proposal was a big news story. Anybody else have it on their list? Yes, this was the second most uh, viewed story on our news data online uh, website in in clearing up. So uh, definitely a a, a, new, a noteworthy development there. And so I I didn't view this as my top five because ultimately it didn't go anywhere yet. Now, do I am I misreading the story and that it just hasn't gone anywhere yet? Yeah, you're misreading it. It okay. certainly generated a lot of political momentum. So uh, I think that's why it was um, you know, viewed so much by um, the clearing up readership. Um, I agree with Emeka. It was definitely you know the top of the list, um, generated a, a lot of political momentum for, for looking at what might be possible with those Snake River dams. And is this something... Yeah, Go ahead, Emeka. I was just going to say, I'll just add, you know, I think the part of what made it sort of resonate for me, too, is that the imp- the implications and the, re- the sort of um, impact of the story went beyond just the conversation around the Snake River dams, about the future of BPA, about the future of resources, um, and just in general, you know, sort of the conversation around the future of energy in our region, right, was sort of, I think there was a notable inflection there uh, that went beyond simply the future of the Snake River dams. It yeah, opened up it this my, conversation. Go ahead, Russ. I didn't have it on my list, but I think it is, yeah, like, it, it makes sense. I kind of wish I did now, but uh, uh, it's the... Yeah, so on the one hand, it kind of seems like we've been talking about this for for decades, and and so yeah, somebody had a solution, and and so that's not necessarily news. But uh, I think the it, it's one of the first times, if not the first time, that that somebody with that you know level of influence 
really had a solution that was like the size of the solution was commensurate with the size of the problem actually right and and even it just in response to the proposal i remember reading about folks that have been in the trenches with the the litigation for for ages saying that you know kind of like no it was people didn't want to be the first party to say what it would take right to to do this and and uh but that's kind of what it would take if if you want to try to achieve the same sort of if you want to aspire to achieve the same sort of functionality you got to have something that that's that's that big and bold and so i thought that, that was pretty uh noteworthy that 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 it was you know reflective of the size of the issue or trying to be yeah. yeah just as a reminder um the mike simpson concept uh columbia basin fund over 30 billion dollars so i agree with russ yeah yeah over there's, i mean there's a sense dollars. there's a sense of scale right that that conversation sort of lent to what it truly means to um sort of replace resources, right? And sort of what we're talking about here is we're talking about this massive transition, uh, you know, away from fossil um, and sort of what replacement resources, what the value proposition is there. So there's a there's a whole scale to that that was pretty, um, I thought was pretty sort of uh, remarkable in terms of uh, how it how it changed maybe or how, how it sort of uh, sort of shone a light for people on sort of what really we're talking about here. These are these are massive things, massive undertakings. Yeah, and I think it put Senator Murray and um, Governor Inslee in the hot seat, and they'll be coming up with something um, mid-2022 that we'll all be very interested in learning more about. Yeah, already pivoting to the 2022 uh, prognostication there, Crystal Ball. Crystal really. Ball. That's right. <laughs> That's classic Crystal well, Ball. Well, I'm... Just <laughs> classic, classic, a fish topic prognostication. Just, uh, so, so good. I'm going to segue this into, you know, because you talk about the it opened up the scope of this issue of decarbonization of our electric system. So I'm actually going to pivot to what I think what I had is the number two, because I think it's related, which is the form energy iron air battery. Um, because when you talk about the scope of the Snake River, River Dam removals, this flexible capacity and, and storage of uh, water as, you know, energy, um, it needs to be replaced by something. And the technology, at least as it is promoted, um, that having that type of technology available in the iron air battery, that was my number two. So we, I skipped around, but that's how I like to do it. I like to skip around. Any thoughts? Did any of you have any takeaways from the form energy or iron air battery news or disagree with me that uh, obviously that is not the second most important news story? Sure, I'll do it. Um, and, and, you know, here's what I'll say. Uh, you know, I think um, it was noteworthy to me. And, uh, you know, again, I don't want to, um, to sort of to sort of overplay the hand here. But, you know, I like to think of myself as, as a person who spends quite a bit of time sort of paying attention to energy topics. And uh, frankly, I, I have fairly only fairly recently heard about this technology. Um, you know, I and sort of what I will say about it, I guess, is this. It, it is reminiscent to me of a lot of energy technologies and even storage, storage sort of chemistries that have been floated in the past, which is um, 
lots of things sound really nice, really clean, really um, handy um, in sort of theory. Um, you know, I kind of uh, tend to wait to get excited about the various proposals until somebody other than the um, the the for-profit uh, developer or or um, uh, um, what do I want to call it, sort of uh, inventor of the technology um, says that it has some sort of some real legs, some real sort of practical application. Um, so you know, I, you know, again, I think it's interesting. I think there are a lot of interesting, innovative ideas there out there around energy, energy storage, energy storage technology, battery chemistry. But um, I, I don't know that there's enough sort of there, enough uh, tangible evidence for me to to make this make my top five. So there you yeah, go. I'm I think curious. It's a little bit. Uh, I respect it. Paul, first off, I want to validate you. Gotta, gotta take a shot, you know? I got a yeah. bat. Gotta uh, take a but I feel <laughs> like it's a bit... So I, I, I hemmed and hawed about having uh, green hydrogen and the inevitable green hydrogen economy on on my list but that's like inevitable my, what a word yeah wow. that's been on my that's been one of my like clear-cut inevitabilities for 10 years now and it just doesn't happen right and so uh i i think that it's uh maybe a bit more crystal ball uh than, than year than year in review well, that, you know, we are, there is a lot of investment in new technologies for energy transformation. Uh, I, I picked one of the, I think, form energies. I think the iron air battery may be one that can make a lot of sense. Uh, to your point, Emeka, it is not commercialized yet. And it, if, without you making a commercialization, it's probably hard to count on it. But is there anything else on the technology front that y'all are seeing that you think, did you have any other like technology innovation that got into the top five? Russ, you didn't put green hydrogen in yours, I take it. Anybody else have any like technological innovation? Because or are, are we all just batting singles and doubles, as my old mentor used to say. Just go out there and bat singles and doubles to get. I, I, uh, so I to, do like I uh, not for not for energy, not for the electric grid. No, like I said, I was really okay. close to putting green hydrogen on there. Which I like because I think it gets to leverage a lot of the same. Uh, I think it leverages more of the existing infrastructure than most other technologies, uh, aside from I don't know pump storage, which leverages gravity. One of the one of the oldest things. It's in and, innovative uh, that gravity yeah, thing. So yeah, innovative, gravity. so hot right and, now. Uh, so yeah, that's a close. And but, but on other technology. Uh, and I think I might have stolen this from a conversation with you. My number five is electric trucks with an exclamation number mark. Number five, electric trucks. Five, you need the exclamation point. Exclamation I'll add mark. the exclamation. Yeah. Yeah, exclamation yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more why, why why you think that's so important to the energy sector? And what happened this year? What happened in 2021 that really broke through for you? I, I, I think it the, the fact that it's not a bigger deal is important. I feel like when, when hybrid electric technology first came out, it was just about maximizing efficiency and it was it was niche like like it was it was meant to go for people that just wanted to drive an electric vehicle and even the prius design looked like a spaceship compared to everything else and so the fact that elect that that technology is being applied to more uh practical applications like that is is cool and i like trucks right and so even the the four by e technology for 
Jeep, you know, just like making something that yeah. people want more efficient is good. And there's the F-150, which is great because Ford's doing it. The Rivian is super cool. The Tesla one looks like the big brother of the truck from Tango and Cash. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just all that stuff is is good because it like makes it seem more normal, right? Which I think is what is going to be necessary to, to continue to get more adoption. Or it shows that, that adoption is really, of, of the technology is really, really grown over time. And you, you previewed this. This is number one on my list. I think, the, and, and not just electric trucks. I actually think you took the cheap, the easy way out on just being electric trucks. I think the F-150 Lightning um, is, I think it's the biggest energy news story of 2021. I think that it tips out the actual transportation electrification <laughs> and what that means. Crystal Ball is holding up a magazine right now with the F-150 electric vehicle. <laughs> Um, I think the impact on our electric grid is massive. I think the impact on actually achieving some modicum of decarbonization, it is the, um, across the Midwest, it is the highest selling vehicle. Klatskin IPUD has already ordered one for a fleet vehicle. I think you will see this in rural communities where they just adopt. It's a premium vehicle and uh, by a manufacturer they already trust. Um, well, so the marketing is like the, I like that the marketing is different. Same for the the Hummer, right? So the F one fifty Lightning historically is uh, like a a drag like a straight line drag racing hot rod. Like it was historically been for like the 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 racing version of the F one fifty, and the Hummer is famous for just being egregious, right? And and so yeah. that they that they the most inefficient gas vehicle and the most inefficient electric vehicle gets both yeah cars. yeah and <laughs> and uh, so the fact that they reclaimed both of those uh, for this purpose is is I don't know seems to mean something I don't know but yeah. it's, it's I also think it's really smart that it looks basically like an F one fifty anyways like it, it unlike uh, the Prius to you, what you pointed yeah. out Ross or or um, the Tesla Cybertruck it just looks like a truck. It just looks like a make it normal, truck, so you don't have to have it. You know, like advertising that you're driving an electric vehicle. I think is I think stuff like that's important to to especially for truck drivers. Yeah, yeah especially for truck drivers. <laughs> well, I, I got. I, I'm in. A, I'm in. A, I'm in a. You know, much to the to my boss's chagrin, I'm gonna roll my eyes every time you say Tesla to me too. Um, but you know, I I do think that. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I really like that addition. It didn't make my list, but I do think that it is one of the notable energy um, uh, piece of energy news this year that so many new form factors for electric, ve electric vehicles became um, sort of real, right? Really good. A lot point. of stuff had been talked around, right? But it's, you know, the thing that has made electric vehicles inaccessible to so much of the population and, and sort of hard for people to, to understand or imagine themselves in an EV has been sort of the very limited form factors, right? They've all looked yeah. like sort of the leaf or the, or the, um, uh, the Volt or, or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, these kinds of things. And it just, um, you know, you're, if you're, if you're, you know, a working person who works outdoors and has to haul material, or you're, you know, you're a family with, with kids and car seats and all this kind of stuff, you're, you're not fitting into a Prius, right? So, yeah. um, 
the fact that there are SUVs now, there are Hummers now, there are, you know, F-150s, um, and they look, right, like vehicles, as Crystal said, they look like vehicles that people recognize, that people already know how to use. Like, I don't have to figure out some weird configuration or buy some new fangled car seat uh, for my for my EV. The same stuff that fit in the last, you know, gas SUV, um, SUV or gas uh, truck that I drove will fit. You know, I can I can take my bed liner right out of that old truck and put it in the F-150 Lightning, right? So um, I think that is a significant story in terms of EV adoption. Yep, and, and I'm just... point. Go ahead. Uh, Paul, the price point um, for this truck, it's not a whole lot different than what people are willing to pay for the gas version. Um, I told you I was uh, reading Car and Driver magazine. It comes to my house monthly, but this was the first time I read it because you were so hyped about this truck. Uh, so doing my homework, I read Car and Driver, and um, that base um, model is forty two thousand. That's reasonable. A everman can, you know, possibly That's afford this truck. That's pretty reasonable. And there's no reason why an electric truck shouldn't be super rad at going off jumps. And some people just want yeah, to go off super jumps. Rad. Right? Yeah. We know where Russ is at. He yeah. earned that headband. He earned yeah, that headband going man. off jumps. Going That's off right. jumps. Okay, we got to keep going, though. Uh, Crystal, what was uh, – what, did you have trucks? You, I don't think you had trucks. What's your number five news story? We're still at number five. Ah. Oh, wow. I did not have trucks, okay. um, but I did my homework. Okay. Um, I had COP26 because of all of the news that it generated um, this year, and that was the meeting of the conference of parties in um, uh, Scotland, and um, there was a lot of momentum uh, for clean energy uh, during that discussion. So it made my list. Conference of Parties 26, uh, a continuation of the Paris Climate Accord. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to segue that into one that's on my list, which is the Heat Dome event, because included in COP26 is this ability to quantify the impact of climate change on on events and the probability of that event occurring. So I think it was number five on my list was the Heat Dome event in the Pacific Northwest. It, for me, was it has to be one of the biggest news stories really in the U.S. because I think it really puts to people the real impact on a like gut level of what climate change can mean. That's that's what it did to me. I was walking you know at home in 120 degrees heat. I had windows, tarps over my windows to try to keep my house cool. I was pre-cooling my house and trying to keep it in with insulation. Very inefficient, but it was the only way to get through. Anybody else have COP26, heat dome event, um, weather event uh, stories? I had heat dome number two and Keeping the lights on during the heat dome was was actually mine, which is which is fantastic um, to speak to uh, in uh, sunlight inadequacy day. Harking back to Crystal Ball, uh, which is great yeah. that I think we did, but but I think that it's possible. Like I I would also hesitate to use that to forecast how many future heat domes we could go through. It was good that it happened in June instead of August, just in terms of. Yeah water uh and in respect to that you didn't have uh simultaneous heat dome in california right and so it was great that the that our infrastructure works but i think hopefully it's a uh a wake-up call also i don't know if people saw news about the road that buckled in portland uh i saw i saw that was around the corner from my son's daycare, and my neighbor across the street works for the Portland 
uh, Bureau of Transportation. And I pick my son up and I see it. And it, it was like two feet high where where it expanded wow. into the middle and it was concrete instead of asphalt and it buckled up two feet high. And my neighbor got called out um, and was just taking pictures with his like cell phone, sending it to his boss. Like, what what are we what are we doing here? Like, what happened here? And uh, yeah, never I wouldn't have even thought that, that something like that that would happen. It was 118 de- degrees in Portland. It, it had to be higher right there. But yeah, anyways, so that made my list. Yeah. Amaka, you're a trained uh, distribution engineer. This is this is uh, yes. our systems aren't designed for this temperature. And I'm just gonna say that I don't know if that's true. Please correct me. <laughs> Was this on your list? No, no. I mean, I, I think I think it's true, right? So, I mean, the way it showed up on my list was sort of a combination of the heat dome event and the Texas uh, outages, right? And it was sort of all of this sort of reckoning with the implications of reliability and resiliency on our systems, right? And it is, you're right, I mean, from the just capacity perspective of the ability of wires and equipment to handle uh, the kind of of flows that you're gonna see in that kind of situation to the physical capabilities of those, um, those devices, those assets to withstand operating in that kind of heat i mean you know for you know for most of our you know your transformers your 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 conductors those kinds of things right they have sort of an acceptable range in which they they uh, are able to operate without appreciable loss of life right and so you layer on you know systems that are designed to operate within a, a temperature band that Really, um, you know, I always tease my Northwest friends as a, as a Midwesterner about, uh, you know, calling 85 a, a, a heat wave, right? <laughs> but, but, but when your systems are designed to that, like what we saw in Texas, where you've never really contemplated the idea of freezing temperatures, let alone freezing temperatures for days on end. I, you know, I mean, I, I get that certainly there was, there was a lot of reason to, to second guess and to, to sort of make sure that there was accountability for the design uh, uh, sort of uh, gaps that were there. But I also don't know that you could have completely um, faulted anyone for not expecting freezing temperatures in Texas, you know, for, for days and days on end, right? And so, so I think, I think there, is a, there is a real sort of reckoning with, um, you know, especially as we talk about an increasingly electrified society, um, what does it truly mean to have systems that are reliable and resilient to an increasingly volatile climate, right? And then, you know, the, to me, the, the compelling part, the remarkable part, the very sad and tragic part of this, obviously, is that there was loss of life, right? And to me, you know, it's one thing to talk about, you know, LOL, you know, loss of load uh, possibilities or, or, or um, you know, one in 10 events or this kind of, right? That's real sort of great statistical stuff for us to talk about around, uh, resource adequacy or N minus one contingency planning. When people die, right? When there is loss of life because of those choices, you know, I, I don't know that you know any of us have a family member who we think, well, you know, I'd be okay if I lost them in a one in ten event, right? Or one in a hundred event, right? Like so, so it's this concept of really being honest with ourselves about what the implications of this transition are going to be and and most importantly on the on the most vulnerable people in our society right who uh, as always bear an inordinate and and sort of um disproportionate burden of these kinds of these kinds of events Emeka, um 
on the loss of life, that's why I have it, um, the Texas blackout at the top of my list. So Texas blackout, top of my list because of what happened. Millions of people lost electricity. All three PUC commissioners resigned as a result. Um, the, all five board members um, resigned and the CEO was ousted and hundreds hundreds of people died. So I have it at the top of my list because of what happened as a result. I remember listening to um, Beth Garza, who was invited to the Northwest Power and Conservation um, meeting in May. And I remember listening to her talk about what happened. And when she talked about that loss of light, you know, my stomach just sank. It just, I would have hated to be a person in charge and have that on my shoulders. Um, and, you know, they're not in the business anymore. Um, and it just, uh, it's really heavy. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it really is very heavy. You know, it's interesting too. And I'm actually going to pull a bit of an audible on Paul here because the list that, that I shared before this, I'm going to swap uh, my number two and three, right? Because I think my second thing is actually related to this, which is this conversation that is mainstreamed around um, energy equity and energy justice, right? And and the equity of the transition that we're talking about. Um, you know, I read a piece of analysis on a publication that I won't name, um, not clearing up, don't worry, Mark, <laughs> oh. um, that talked about sort of the value proposition of ERCOT right and whether or not uh the costs right those sort of eye-popping energy costs that they saw during their event uh were worth sort of the price of admission in terms of what value they had been able to to extract by sort of having their own grid um and i couldn't help but think chris crystal like you're saying sort of how heavy that is when it's like yeah, but people died. Like, you know, I, I really don't want to hear about whether or not it was financially a win, right? You know, nobody won when people died, right? So um, I think that's, for me, you know, us finally having this conversation at a, at a national level, right? Um, you know, um, the appointment of, of, of Dr. Shalanda Baker and the energy justice uh, it, it, um, sort of uh, movement within within DOE, right? And sort of making that a priority. Um, the, the provisions that have been made for equity in, in the federal legislation around sort of where those investments land. I, you know, again, I just think um, those life safety events really drove home um, the real human um, element, the real human uh, sort of uh, potential costs of us not getting this right. Yeah, I'm going to actually audible you a little bit more. I So my list is ordered. I have the heat dome event, the Texas blackout, and also this natural gas energy crisis in Europe there. Similarly, this is the crisis, humanitarian crisis as a result of the energy transition. The top two I have, I think, are my hopeful stories. So I propose, Emeka, that you put this as the top energy stories because it's the hopeful. What we're trying to do in this season of the uh, Festivus, Gritimus, Maximus, Grivide uh, uh, Hope, there are bad Bad events that have occurred, but the, the what should give us hope as a top news stories is the emergence of this energy equity conversation. What do you think? You, we, we get. We, yeah, is this okay? I, 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 can get? I can absolutely get with that because I think systemically that's it's probably a bigger truth that the the uh, the long term conversation around sort of switching the system around is is even more profound than the events themselves. So, yep, I'm I'm good with that. 
Good. Okay. And well, I've, I've never, now gone through my. Go ahead, Russ. Well, yeah. In, ter- in terms of ERCOT and the, uh, the 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 discussion about price, right? So, so in terms of the loss of load, I I think that the it's I don't know. Like it, it, it still seems surprising. Don't get to fired. Me that don't get the, fired, Russ. No, it's it's surprising to me that the loss of load like like manifested in that way, and and um, it's. I, I'm curious. I don't know. Just like getting, I don't know, preparing the system for for these things. I think has to change. So if you if you I feel like if you if you sat down with like the Power Pool or Power Council and ERCOT in fall of 2020 and said both of you guys are gonna get uh, off the charts extreme weather next year at some time, plan for it. I still don't know that. They would have picked that scenario, right? And and right. so yeah. and 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 the, so that when you when you do lose load, I think you're still supposed to do it in 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 a manner that 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 tries to to minimize the the, the effects of people, and and somehow that still just didn't work, right? Which is tragic, and and uh, and even when people did have power, I think that there were a, a, amazing at least anecdotes of, of inequity that, that I had read about where, you know, so working on, on markets for the, for the last, you know, 10 years, you know, we, we I learn about the way Kaiso prices things, but if you get a thousand dollars a megawatt hour, uh, it's usually not some individual home that has to pay that price, but that that's, it seems like that's the way ERCOT was set up, right? Where, where there was nobody standing in between people who don't have another option, and it doesn't seem reasonable to not have electricity, and and it's really difficult to understand how to navigate all these things. And even if they had access to power physically, people had to make hard decisions because suddenly they're paying these these penalty prices that you know I I don't think that. That people that design security constrained economic dispatches and nodal locational marginal prices expect individuals, uh, you know, especially those that might be like closer to the margin society, to, to to pay those directly. Like, there's a role for utilities. There's a role for public utility commissions for 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 privately owned utilities, and and that just seemed to have been abdicated. And and uh, with I think with the bet that. Like with the bet that they would never have to like never have to deal with the problems and and it just seems short sighted and super tragic like you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, let me respond to that really quickly because I think you said a, a number of different really important things there, Russ. And it is you know to me, I think a couple things are true, right? When you describe preparing the system, I think part of what we have to be thinking about, and especially right, we're public power underground here, right? Uh, with public power where we have a different sort of calling, right, is our overall societal systems, right? So it isn't just, you know, uh, protecting, you know, the wires and and steel and concrete and copper um, in, in the ground or in the air from these events, some of which, as we now know, uh, with climate change and other things, we just aren't going to be able to avoid. But it's also sort of how do you ensure that you've put the right kind of measures in place to protect uh, the vulnerable from the impacts of those potential failures, right? And so the kind of thing you're talking about with pricing, right? And it is, it is again, it's that sort of marginal thing, right? Where 
Well, this is such an unlikely event that one of two things are, is true, right? It'll either A, just it's so unlikely that it'll never happen or it'll never happen in my lifetime or it'll just, you know, it'll never happen. It'll take so long to happen that, that some, some solution or ex machina will show up and, and solve it. Or B, um, you know, it, it is sort of statistically unlikely and to the extent that it happens, it'll happen to such a small number of people, or this is going to sound sort of uh, um, devious to say, but I, I believe this is true in the society we live in. Um, it'll happen to a small enough number of people and people positioned such that nothing will come of it, right? There won't be any consequences. There won't be any real sort of reckoning. Uh, won't be any real accountability. I think, and if uh, I, you know, sorry, if I can really quickly. Yeah, yeah, please, please, please. Yeah. yeah. So the contrast to that, I will just say is what, what we've seen in California with the fires, right? You know, I think 10 years ago, if you had talked to some of the utilities that were involved um, in conversations around wildfires and wildfire prevention, and you had told them that they would be facing the kinds, they would face bankruptcy, right? Because of liabilities they sustained in wildfires. They might plan their systems differently. They might invest in their systems differently. Um, but, but that specter wasn't necessarily there. It wasn't probably part of their rate making conversations or uh, prudence conversations with their commissions. And so those things didn't happen. And, you know, I hope we don't wait until something like that happens uh, with these with these events to sort of recognize that we have a responsibility to care for for vulnerable people in in, in those events. And and uh, going back to my like super callous sounding holiday from from, from earlier, I it, I I, th I worry that that the part of the reason things like that were able to happen is because uh, entities decided it's worth the risk. Right. And that people are still thinking about it just from, from an economic perspective. Right. And that in part, that's the reason it happened. And I joked about demand response, but I, I think people accepted the risk that that was going to happen. And, and I think that they were accepting that risk on behalf of a bunch of other people. Right. Yeah. right. And, right. and and it behooves us as an industry to, to be really thoughtful about those things and, and take into account who, who it's going to really who is really going to affect Right. And, and uh, yeah. that's a conversation that needs to continue, start happening more or continue happening. Well, I mean, it's, it's yeah, lies, I, damn lies and statistics, right? At the end of the day, right? Statistical risk and real life risk are two entirely different things. Mecca, can you introduce our next musical interlude? Absolutely. So uh, the Underground's own Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe are performing the energy themed carol titled Silver Generators, written by Newsdata's David Krause.
Yeah, and this conversation did trigger a lot of market discussion. There's talk about the structure of the ERCOT market. There's talk about the Kaiso market and and also some markets in the Northwest. Did anybody, I did not have in the top five any market stories. Uh, the Western Resource Adequacy Program Phase three, I was number 10 on my list. Um, I went I went all the way down, make sure I got below the line a little bit, make sure I had it covered. Anybody have in the top five some sort of markets uh, evolution or Northwest markets conversation? So I, I did. resource adequate. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I did. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the entire conversation around regionalization in the West, um, you know, that definitely was on my list um, because I think it is it is it is the enabler of what we've just spent the last i don't know 10 15 minutes talking about right uh, most yep. educated observers believe that that kind of re regionalization is the ticket right to uh, and, and it sounds like russ was about to interject there with with the resource adequacy piece of that right but it is the ticket to sort of um, developing a system that is that is functional and workable yeah so where, and, was and it? I had... where was it on your list emeka before we get where on russ's list it is uh, it was, um, well, I guess now that we've sort of moved the list around, it's number three on my list. Okay. And where is it on yours, Russ? I, I number three, resource adequacy. And, and the reason resource adequacy made it for me is I, w I was pretty skeptical, not about the premise, but about how successful it was going to be at the beginning. It, it didn't, have, for IOUs, it didn't upfront have buy-off from uh, utility commissions, which is where typically those decisions would be made, etc. So, like, I, I didn't, like, handicapping it, I didn't give it a, a really high odds, like, give it really high odds of, of being successful, but it's really expanded. It's grown beyond the power pool, and I think that that is telling that it is resonating throughout a lot of WEC, including the desert southwest, and uh, that's not where I would have bet it was going to go. And and I think it is a sign, like Emeka said, of, uh, you know, an increased desire and recognition of the importance of, you know, working together as a region. And Paul, I have um, the announcement in October of the Western Markets Exploratory Group on my number four. Um, and what I think is remarkable about this group is uh, they've it's a group of utilities in the West, except for those utilities in California. And I think these Western utilities um, are concerned about the governance of the major market in the West. And um, if California isn't willing to change the governance, you know, I think what these uh, utilities are saying is we'll get together and do our own thing. Yeah, it was a at the time it made some waves around who was in the group, who wasn't in the group, um, and what it could mean. Um, I won't ask if anyone on uh, the call represents a utility that was in the group or not. That would seem very unfair. Uh, oh, oh, there's someone raising their hand. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I would be remiss, obviously, not to comment on that a little bit. You know, I think I think what's interesting about that, and sort of one thing that I'm, I might just kind of point out is. What you will notice, uh, to your point, Crystal, is that the members of the um, of the that exploratory group are by and large EIM entities, right? That are not within Kaiso's BA, right? And I think that's really sort of the key there, right? It's it's a set of utilities who already sort of have ex have shown demonstrated in very real ways and with very real investments and very real commitments, hard commitments to uh, markets to market expansion. 
right? And so that's the thing. But you're right. I mean, I think I think there's also a realization in there of some pressure. You know, for many of those utilities that I think we know, and, and Russ mentioned the Southwest, right? For many of those utilities, they they now have sort of regulatory pressure on them to figure out what comes next. Now, sure, I mean, I think there is definitely a conversation about the fact that the timing of that pressure, right? For many of them, they are they are they've got some time to sort of decide what they're doing. So they're not being asked to join an RTO um, within the next two years is I think one idea that was floated sort of shortly after um, some of the events a couple of years ago uh, uh, came up or I guess, you know, last last summer, the summer before last. Um, and so so they have some real pressure to demonstrate proactiveness and 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 um, sort of uh, be engagement. And so that's that's part of what's going on there. I do get, and just to maybe pick up on Russ's thread about the the uh, um, Northwest Power Pools Resource Adequacy Program, um, that was that it was and is remarkable in its, you know how you know it's sort of this voluntary groundswell of support, right? Which is just you know uncommon, you know, absent sort of regulatory pressure or regulatory mandates for this group of so such diverse. Um, entities to sort of come together on something like that. Um, and it, obviously the contrast here to the WMEG is that that's sort of a, at least for now, um, you know, I, I think the belief is that, uh, you know, group will expand, but at least for now, it's such a small group, right? And, and by and large is sort of perceived as uh, exclusive in a way, right? And, and not necessarily transparent to non-participants. And, um, those are fair criticisms, frankly, um, of it. But it's also sort of uh, fair to recognize the position, as Crystal described, that many of the entities that are position, um, participating there are in. And then just the, you know, the, like I said, the criteria of EIM entities and, and the ability to um, provide and engage in solution finding uh, from the, with the benefit of experience to a certain degree as far as organized markets go. Yeah, it's a good context. And I think there is um, the, the interesting thing Russ pointed out about the breadth of the participation in the resource adequacy group um, and, and the, the purpose of those in the Western Markets Exploratory Group is really intriguing. And maybe we'll also have some uh, discussion about those in the 2022 Crystal Ball. Um, uh, I, we've gone over a lot of the big energy news stories. We're down to just a few left. I think I've gone over mine, uh, the heat dome event, Texas blackout, the natural gas market prices that really the crisis in Europe. I think those three are kind of the different ways the energy electrification transition and global warming will have on our energy markets. I think, uh, for me, really compelling. And like I mentioned, the technology that may be a solution and gives me hope are my top two. Um, uh, so I'm hoping and maybe we can go to you, Crystal, on you have number three left. I've got number five for you is COP26, number four, Western Markets Exploratory Group, number two, Heat Dome, number one, Texas Blackout. What was your number three? From my background, um, I've had to include Oregon and Washington state energy legislation um, because Washington um, is the second in the nation um, to have a cap and trade program. Uh, with this uh, legislation that passed uh, the legislature uh, this year. And then Oregon um, passed 100% clean without a lot of fanfare. And, you know, if you think back to what Oregon tried to do um, with passing a cap and trade, there was a ton of pushback from that Republicans walking out of state, shutting down the legislature. Um, and I think the 100% clean just quietly 
happened. So uh, number three on my list was state energy legislation. Okay, Mark, uh, we haven't heard much of your news stories. Uh, I, I know you covered most of the, all of these, I think, maybe not the form and iron air battery, uh, but you did cover a lot of these stories. What, uh, what, what did you have on your list while we're getting through these? Well, first, a little caveat. So the stories that I, I reference are the number of page views that uh, we recorded on our website, and not all of our readers are accessing our digital content. So it's sort of an incomplete recording. And, uh, you know, first, of all, I just want to say, I really, agree. I think that uh, what Emeka said about the, the reckoning with both uh, the uh, heat dome and the Texas freeze, I think that really resonated both in terms of you know what those are is in terms of harbingers for future extreme weather and also uh, for reckoning for planning and uh, system operations. So I thought those were all really good points that you all made. So what we had is the fifth uh, story was Arizona utilities extend shutoff suspensions until 2021, which occurred somehow in 2020. So that's kind of a data glib. Um, uh, the fourth one has to do with the wind farm that was sold in Oregon, and I have no idea why that one was so popular, but it was. The third one... We, uh, we covered it on Public Power Underground. I will take credit for that. What Thank I, you, please? Paul. That You're must welcome. have been that must have tipped the tipped the scales. The it's third one is you to recognize your largesse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just take the credit, right? Who's gonna, who's gonna who's gonna discount me, right? It's fine. Ah, Paul, I love it. Thank you very much. So the third one, it actually is uh, it is a technology story, but it's hardly an innovation technology story. It has to do with. Uh, it was titled The Diesel-Fired California Dream, and it was basically about how California is approving a lot of diesel-fired generators, places like data centers, this kind of emergency backup uh, power supplies, you know, Green California. It was a little bit of an ironic story there that was our third most popular. And then the Simpson plan was second. We've talked about that. And the and the top story, which also I'm sure has to do with this story being shared by the uh, the folks, uh, the company that we profiled, Woosh. Uh, so maybe I, I'm sure Crystal's heard of them, and I'm, probably the others have too. They have this uh, fish passage system that's getting some some play, and that was for some reason our top red story. So. That's what we have for our news data. Data. It's. It's uh, again. I really think the heat dome and Texas freeze were the biggest stories, and uh, but that's what uh, our data shows. So. Yeah. So I think the lesson learned here is uh, you got to go to the news data website so we can get some page views for next year. Absolutely. Right? And and click on Public Power Underground. Uh, that'll that'll be our first. Oh. Our top story for uh, for 2022, I'm quite sure. So all the links are in the show notes. So if you just <laughs> get, go go subscribe. Anyway, uh, so uh, Russ, I think for you so far, I got electric trucks. I got number three, the Northwest Power Pool Resource Adequacy Program, and number two, reliability in the face of the heat wave. What was your number four and your number one? Did I miss something along the way? Yeah, first off, electric trucks has an exclamation mark, and then number four. Uh, I had the infrastructure bill, uh, which which includes for Bonneville the expanded borrowing authority, which I, which I think is also important. But uh, I uh, and I, I I almost connected this to the uh, Mike Simpson discussion actually because it's just the I, I think it's it it seems so big, but when if you really work on these things and get an idea of what it takes to build the sort of infrastructure that we use to build, uh, it's pretty big, right? And so yeah. I think the infrastructure bill is is good, and uh, one of my former bosses is is working, I think, on part of that. Michelle Maneri, who was recently on recently on the the, the podcast, and so yes, I think yes. that. That's still it's 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 exciting for me to see uh, something 
like big solutions to big problems. And and so that was my yeah. number four. So I had infrastructure on my list uh, below the fold on as number six, right uh, right ahead of John Oliver's last week tonight covering the power grid. I had the power grid story as the number seven, but the infrastructure investment and job act is number six. Um, anybody ha- else have the infrastructure bill on their list? No. Okay. I had something related to the infrastructure bill, and it is sort of the mainstreaming of of grid modernization and the importance of the wire side of the business in this transition. You know, sort of what's interesting about the infrastructure bill is, you know, as Russ kind of pointed out, right, the big solutions, the big problems. Right. You could you could sort of think about it in terms of the, the supply infrastructure. Right. Um, and, and the conversation around the dance. But you could also think about sort of the level of investment and the sort of the missing money problem almost there of the level of investment it will take to really build the delivery system that would be will be necessary to deliver these clean resources to load. Right. Um, and so the fact that that is getting so much play, the fact that there is so much conversation about the transition, the transformation of the grid grids architecture to allow for uh, distributed resources, to allow for better situational awareness and, and uh, sort of flexibility, um, you know, demand response <laughs> adequacy. Right. Um, you know, I think is a, is a really important development because it shows that um we are finally putting the pieces of the puzzle together and, and the infrastructure. Yeah, really when I was that. talking with Michelle, I'm going to yep. cut you off for a minute, Russ, yep. just a minute. When I was talking with Michelle. She described this. And it, for those of you distribution engineer, you probably think of this all the time. But for it was a really good way of describing it to me. You have load, you have generation, and then you have the topology. And the modernization of that topology that connects the loads and the resources uh, was a beautiful way of describing it. And for me, uh, put, getting a handle on it. And uh, the investment in... Uh, analyzing that that she's doing in the studies but also the investment in the actual physical infrastructure and the grants that are available to do that really big story for for the year russ i cut you off but yeah well and going back to the uh the diesel vision of the green future like i'm sure a lot of people read that with the with the with schadenfreude you know thinking that they caught california in a performative contradiction of some sort but maybe that's reasonable right if you have fossil fuel generation but you only care about carbon emissions maybe that's a reasonable way to approach it you have backup generation and maybe that helps you with other things but like i I think all those solutions all might be able to to work together and and uh glad that we're working on it and all these things kind of seem to be uh, in service of that, of, of a transition that has to happen. Uh, what else? We got uh, a Mecca. I think that covered the last of your five. We had Simpsons Wall, grid modernization is mon- modern, mainstream policy, to market, to market, Texas blackouts, heat stone and the reliability and the emergence of energy equity and energy justice. I think we got that right. Yep, you got it. Um, that leaves Russ, your top story, I think, Whoa, is our last one. one to be covered. Um, what is your number it's, one? It's uh, uh, and and uh, there's it, it may seem mundane, but rates are never mundane, and this is public power underground. So BPA, the RDC triggered, and and power rates were reduced, and so we've got kind of a, a whole bunch of stories about change and investment, and uh, I feel really good that BPA and and the region was able to uh, you know work together to to keep rates. Uh, flat low and and re- and reduced in some cases right and and uh that that things still performed really well so that's my number one
Yeah, I um, I had it as after uh, the Ted Lasso, Dolly Parton, Energy Twi- Twitter uh, crossover event as the number nine on my list. Um, I do think, and we can be honest here, Russ, even, I know you work at Bonneville, and this is big news, don't get me wrong, but it largely is a result of the story about energy prices increasing over this period, right? It's a, it's a story about your secondary revenues going up, and that is, for me, it was that story was a bigger news story. And the rate reduction was just a it was a it was caused by some nice increased second well I, I i think for the rdc i think for the rdc that's fair but yeah i don't know about what the the rate reduction but uh Crystal I'm going to push back. Yeah. I love it. I love a good pushback. I'm never right 100% correct. I'm occasionally adjacent to correct. Yeah. I, I'd say, you know, strategic plan in Bonneville is to um, manage the cost of Bonneville programs. Um, and we have been doing that since 2018. Uh, and I think that was a big reason for the rate reduction. It's good marketing, uh, but really, is that the bigger driver, or is it the power prices for tw- the next rate period are just way above what we've seen in rate periods prior? Like it's just natural gas prices were higher, your secondary revenue were higher. What am I missing? Am I am I completely off base? So, so yeah, let let, let me maybe suggest the middle ground um, as a Bonneville customer, right? I mean, I think I think again, much like what we talked about with with uh, uh, Representative Simpson's proposal. Um, there's a bigger picture implication to what happened with Bonneville and the rate reduction in the RDC, which is what Crystal is talking about. The long-term implications and what that says about the ability to manage costs, to control costs, to um, recognize the direction that um, energy markets and energy energy values are going, right? Because I think I think it would be a mistake in, in lots of ways to simply consider what happened with energy markets, um, to your point, Paul, as just sort of this weird outlier never to be seen again, right? What it really sort of it demonstrates, right, is that there is, there's a theme, there's something thematic there about cost control and cost management and secondary revenues, right? That's very relevant to, for example, the, the EIM conversation uh, for Bonneville or future conversations for Bonneville and the rest of us. Um, you know, all of us in the Northwest and, and in the West about, you know, day ahead markets and RTOs and 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 wonderful and fair price formation, Russ. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's, well, I'm there's, there's more than happy there. to agree with my my panel mates. And, and also, I think that, Paul, if it were that much about the volatility, the volatility of secondary pricing, I think that rate cases would be a lot more volatile than they are right now. But I think that the fact that um, the the rate increases and decreases are not that volatile and that the last rate decrease has been following, I think, a trend of either staying with inflation or below inflation, um, I, I, I think it might be a bit too uh, reductionist uh, to say that it's really about secondary secondary prices. I'll, I'll just admit I was wrong. I do not want to be reductionist. I do want to give Bonneville <laughs> credit for their cost control. I absolutely agree. Uh, I, I, I probably misspoke on volatility. That really wasn't my point. It was more about the point that, hey, energy prices are going up. Secondary yep. revenue, revenues are increasing. And that carries the day when you have a system that is sold 
firm energy on a firm basis and then uh, collects offsets rate reduction on secondary revenues. Bonneville is not the only utility that has that dynamic. Most hydro-based utilities uh, will be susceptible to secondary revenues for a lot of it. And I will just go back to say that is a clarification of an earlier point, but ultimately I was wrong and I will accept my being incorrect and I will give Ross and Crystal and Emeka the due respect uh, of being correct and I was incorrect. I'll bring okay. Daniel Fisher with me uh, next time just to, if we get I, too deep. I think that, that would be great. I think that yeah. would be, I love that. Daniel and I, we, I'd love do like a conversation a, with Daniel. Kitten play yeah. dance, like high five sort of thing. That'd be good too. <laughs> Everything about talking with Daniel Fisher, I just like all of it. He's got a great mic, great headphones, and uh, very intelligent. It's all great stuff. Okay, so we're closing out a segment on the top news stories. It was uh, wonderfully long. I think it was a great conversation. Thank you all for going with me down that rabbit hole. Um, next up, we're going to talk about the crystal ball. We're going to do a 2022 crystal ball. But before I do, Crystal, can you introduce our next musical guest? Yes, we get to enjoy another performance by Aaron and Ian. And this time, the carol is called Simply Forming a Wonderful Western Market, which was written by News Data's Steve Ernst. Motives right, the spirits up, we're here tonight, and that's enough. Simply forming a wonderful Western market. Simply forming a wonderful Western market. The party's on, the feeling's here, that only comes every ten years. Simply forming a wonderful western market. Simply forming a wonderful western market. The choir of utilities sing their song. They practiced all year long. Simply forming a wonderful western market. Simply forming a wonderful western market. Word is out about the town, so cut your emissions and oh, please keep the lights on. Simply forming a wonderful Western market. Simply forming a wonderful Western market. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Ian, for a great rendition. And thank you, Steve Ernst, for uh, celebrating the Simply Forming a Wonderful Western Market, really in line with the themes. And also getting to the 2022 crystal ball, we're going to prognosticate on headlines for 2022. Uh, we are short on time, so we're going to do this quick. Are we ready? We're going to start with you, Mark, because you are a professional, okay? Mark, uh, can you give us a twenty your twenty twenty two crystal ball? What's the headline? Going okay, I'm not a professional year? prognosticator, just to be clear. But here is my headline, and it, it actually kind of dubs. I think we're going to also use it in our April Fools' issue next April, so you can uh, sort of take that for what it's worth. And it is: Western states agree to collaborate on a proposal to study the possibility of perhaps someday creating what might become a unified region-wide operating grid and wholesale market. Details to be determined. So. I know you've all been talking Deets about later. Yeah, that's that's Deets in the notes. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I love it. Go, keep going. I, I cut you off. I love the de- details later. No, that's right. I mean, you've all been talking, you know, very eloquently, and there is a lot of momentum towards, uh, you know, centralized markets. But I guess I'm, I, I'm just a tad bit unclear about how exactly that uh, comes to pass. So that headline reflects that uh, that uncertainty. So that's a long okay. headline. That was a yeah. very long so, headline. We might have to cut it. Pops, it pops. So. Yeah, it's, it's pretty punchy. Good work. <laughs> so now, now you all know it can be a long headline, and all of uh, all of the news data journalists. When the next time Mark tells you you need to shorten yeah, your headline, yeah, just be like, right. "No, I heard your headline on Public Power Underground." Do as I okay, say, not gonna, as I do. Okay, sorry. Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to give you all categories. So Mark got to give the he had just a broad breadth of categories he could choose. So Ameka, you're the first up. I want to get headlines on either. Do you expect fusion or fission to get the better headline in 2020? To, and what will it be? Fusion or fission technology? I think I think fusion is the bigger headline for the obvious reason, right? I mean, I think again we are having this conversation around, uh, as I talked about earlier, right? Uh, resiliency and and reliability of the system. Um, you know, I think I just think that as we we truly begin to reckon with the impacts, the human impacts of this transition, uh, we we might. I'm hopeful. Maybe this is this is your your um, your positivity rubbing off on me, Paul. I am hopeful that we will um, understand that it doesn't make a lot of sense to sort of thumb our noses at at any clean sources of energy. Now, I say that recognizing that there are a lot of questions to be asked and answered about uh, what what um, what fusion technology will look like these uh, these SMRs. Certainly, um, there are skeptics uh, all over the place. Not not the least of which are in within my own jurisdiction, right? So um, hopefully like those this. headlines will be about 2022, 2022 and fusion. It's all about coming together. Oh, <laughs> look out, Mark. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, Russ, you had a great one there. Uh, give me your EDAM or Markets Plus headline, which uh, is going to be in clearing up next year. It's kind of both. By close of year, uh, unnamed Mountain West IOU announces plans to uh, pursue joining California EDAM, and the rest of WEC announced plans to uh, develop Markets Plus proposal. I think that I think that the way these things work is there's got to be a first mover. And when there's a first mover, I think that it lights a fire under everybody. That's how we're all kind of in the EIM. And so I think that probably both those things happen. I think one IOU is going to decide they've just got to do something. They've got to move. And I think that that's going to create some motivation for everybody else to, um, you know, make something viable as an alternative. I love it. It's a great. Do you like that headline, Mark? You think you think he's got a future as a headline writer? Yeah, I think that's re- I think that's really good for 2022. I I, I like it. Okay, it's a great Crystal. prediction. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so, yeah, there we go, Crystal. It's a good judgment there. Great. The Crystal, Crystal Ball, ball seal of uh, approval. Crystal Ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're last. You're, I I'm last. You're next, Crystal. Okay. Uh, what do you think? What's going to be the headline for either? Energy storage or direct air capture? Is either one of them going to get a big headline? What's it going to be? All right, Paul. This one's for you. My headline is Homeowner Stores Excess Energy Claims Federal Tax Credit for Standalone Storage System. And this story is going to be about you and how 
you were able to store all of that excess energy that's generated by your three kits in a battery storage system. So we're going to have them jumping on springs all winter. I'm going to buy them springs and like ratchet some springs. We're going to fire some you're good. iron air batteries, man. Iron Green air hydrogen. I don't yeah, Next year, you're going to tell us how you did it. Okay, okay. I think it sounds like I'm not the only one with the, like lots of energetic children. You're going to recruit a Mecca. Yeah, with my three toddlers, you license the energy energy to me. I, you know, we'll uh, we'll power Seattle over here. That's uh, <laughs> see, yeah. see, no, but Plenty seriously, energy. energy storage, Paul, over direct air capture, and that's for two things. Tax credits and the um, energy storage advocates have been really good at pushing for the ITC investment tax credit for energy storage. And the second thing is lots of support, lots of support from clean energy advocates for energy storage, whereas there are critics on direct air capture. Those critics think that direct air capture is a distraction um, from the focus on the transition from uh, fossil fuels to clean energy. So energy storage has the headline. I like it. That's a great, great takeaway. I'm going to close it out with my own headline. Okay. Get this. Ted Lasso season three premieres on July 21st at 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for the West Coast. Are all of you aware of the proposal that California, Oregon, and Washington petition the Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg to transition to permanent mountain standard time. This can be done without any legislation from the federal government and is at the sole discretion of the Secretary of Transportation. Are you aware? If you're not aware, you're not listening to Public Power Underground. I am sick of the hubris of time change. Humans (laughs) cannot change time. No, we can't change time. We can only change clocks. Okay, and that's all we've got for the crystal ball. I think uh, I think we did a great job. Uh, Mark, are we hired for headline writing? You are. You are. I'll put you on the payroll immediately. Okay. Maybe Thank a little you. bit oh, of please don't do that, Mark. To, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. Russ will donate his time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll make you, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we know what's going to happen in 2022. We're going to take a quick break uh, for a promo. Mark, can you give us a promo? Yes. Today's episode is brought to you by the returning sponsor, Efficiency Services Group. That must mean they like our vibe. And that means they're electric utility enthusiasts like us. And we appreciate their help in making this show possible. ESG specializes in working with electric utilities to develop real solutions to meet their specific needs. Klotzkanai PUD uses ESG for its energy efficiency needs, so this can be a, I'll call it a second-person testimonial. ESG is great, and if you want to know more, ask Brian at Klotzkanai or visit EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. That's EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. They're a returning sponsor of Public Power Underground, and they're electric utility enthusiasts like us. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, Russ, can you introduce our last musical guest? Yeah, please welcome Daryl Wayne Dasher, who's performing the energy-themed carol titled O Power Plan, written by Clearing Up's podcast ambassador and news data journalist, Dan Catchpole. Hey, Daryl, welcome to Public Power Underground. Hey, nice to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, You and I have, you've done many concerts that I've attended in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm so happy that you agreed to be on the podcast. Oh, I'm honored to be here. It's an exciting topic. 
It is an exciting topic. It is public power. Did you know you're served by public power? Nashville Electric Service is public power. I did not know that. Yes, so it's a theme. Like uh, the Tennessee has the Tennessee Valley Authority. The Pacific Northwest has Bonneville Power Administration. So I feel like you should you should be really good at this uh, public power content and energy carols. This is very exciting. Yeah, I uh, you know we're probably um, being a pain in the butt right now because we are. Mo- I was so lucky. We we are the only street in this whole neighborhood that has power right now. And uh, because of the storms Friday night, we're still out of power in most of these this area here. So yeah, I saw all of the Got outages lucky. on their outage map. I'm glad that you made it through safe. Are you ready? Oh, to, great! Yeah, are you ready to sing O Power Plan for us? <laughs> I'm so ready for this. Good. I'm now I'm gonna go after, get to the stage in my office here where we do the the Wednesday night shows. After you do O Power Plan, are you willing to come back and chat a little bit more? Yeah, that would be fantastic. Okay, let's do it. Oh, power plan. Oh, power plan. Oh, power plan. We fret about L-O-L-P. Not only in the summer's heat, but also winter snow and sleep. Oh, power plan. Oh, power plan. We fret about L-O-L-P Oh, power plan Oh, power plan Your regional portfolio It's renewables, not coal or gas Damn, this industry's changing fast Oh, power plan Oh, power plan Your regional portfolio Power plan, oh power plan, whatever happened to EE? They said it's not worth investing to trim demand when it's peaking. Oh power plan, hey power plan, whatever happened to EE? Oh power plan. Power plan, your schedule slid so many months. Rebuilding models cost many days, then COVID hit and more delays. Oh, power plan, hey, power plan, your schedule slid so many working 18-hour days, preliminary model runs, staffs crunching numbers until one, oh, power plan, oh, power plan, staffs working 18-hour days, oh, power plan, oh, power plan, reviewed through so many meetings C-R-A-C D-R-A-C S-A-A-C 
power and fish committees. Oh, power plan, hey, power plan. We've you through so many meetings. Oh, power plan, oh, power plan. Good luck at pleasing everyone. Public comments pouring in, and everyone. Opinions, oh power plan, oh power plan. Good luck at pleasing everyone. Oh power plan, oh power plan. The end is almost here at last. When it's published and in the can. Staff can see their kids again. Oh, council staff, oh, council staff, thank you for your hard work. Oh, power plan, oh, power plan. The end is almost here at last. Thank you so much, Daryl, for singing Oh Power Plan. I, you know, Public Power Underground is a ridiculous thing. We, I am sitting in a hobbit hole, also a ridiculous thing. One of my favorite songs of yours is Ridiculous Things. Are you willing to close us out on Public Power Underground's season three finale with Ridiculous Things? I'd, I'd be honored to. <laughs> let's do it ridiculous things thank you daryl wayne dasher please come back maybe you can come with some christmas have you ever done a christmas album daryl well we're working on one uh there's a couple christmas singles on uh itunes or whatever but uh actually i think there's only one on itunes but Silent uh, Night yeah we're working on a find. christmas record right now okay well maybe next oh, year really? you can, oh yeah you... oh holy night yeah yeah, oh holy night. Now, so I'm hoping you can come back maybe next year you can do some Christmas carols with us and I uh, I got you got to come up with some public power uh cr country songs. Are are you you willing to work on some public power country songs maybe? Public power. I've I've already got a couple ideas. Yes. You gave me one really good one. I think we're going to work on together, but I've got another one. Let's do <laughs> it. Let's do it. Right now. Let's do it. Thank you so much. Let's go to ridiculous things and get out of here. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, it's such a fun podcast, and I appreciate the opportunity. Um, thanks for all the hard work that you guys do. Um, keep us on power. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Paul thought this, uh, this song off of my reincarnation record would fit the theme a little bit. It's called Ridiculous Things. <laughs> and uh, thanks again for having me, you guys. I appreciate it.
like it all that much He said, why you gotta go and do ridiculous things Like booking Cleveland the night after New Orleans Like you weren't even thinking about things Like it don't even matter Why you gotta go and do ridiculous things I said, I don't know, but I know what you mean And I guess it's just a little difference between The way we like to live our lives different kind and I can't claim to know your mind and that don't make a stranger in fact you've known me all your life and I can't help if I can't see why anybody watches news TV and I know the fact that I don't must cause you strife but why you gotta go and do ridiculous things yourself in a world that's straight square and clean like you'd rather not have to think about things like you don't believe in magic hey why you gotta go and do ridiculous things he said i don't know but i know what you mean and i guess it's just that little difference between the way we like to Maybe just to see if you're still listening to me And maybe I'm searching for magic Hey, why we gotta go and do ridiculous things Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate you having me. Hopefully, we'll see you on down the road. DW-Dasher.com. Thanks to all our performers, especially Daryl, uh, country music musician, independent artist. My family got to know him because he does concerts out here. If y'all uh, are around in the summers and come on down to Ridgefield, uh, it's a great concert. Um, please check out his website, dwdasher.com. Uh, do me a favor, follow him on Facebook, send him a note, something, let him know you listen to it on Public Power Underground. It means a lot to me. I'm reminded, I, we used to watch White Christmas every year, and there's this whole scene where they uh, get on I, I don't remember the old timey show that they came on and we're like uh, can you do me a favor we're gonna live broadcast and we need all you yeah uh, so I'm, I'm doing that that's what I'm doing here I feel like that's my vibe right now okay that's all we've got uh, for this season send any news questions opinions corrections to me on Twitter at a power manager or if you're a friend of the underground you can send any of us a note uh, great job all of the first-time performers great job crystal thanks Russ thanks Emeka thanks for coming back Mark Y'all are valued and appreciated. Really, it was great conversation. It was great content. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks, Paul. 
this was a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I love the enthusiasm. We got a lot of great geeky energy content in uh, with some positivity and some uh, a good vibe. We really did great. Uh, part of the agreement with News Data and Classic and IPUD was a commitment that we'd actually keep making shows in 2022. So unlike prior season finales with a cliffhanger where we weren't sure whether we'd ever do this again, this time we're actually going to come back. We're going to be recording on January 10th and publish on Thursday the 13th. To make sure you don't miss it, you can sign up for all of this content at publicpowerunderground.substack.com. Otherwise, you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast app. You don't have to be subscribed to News Data to get this podcast, but it sure makes our podcast make a lot more sense. Thanks for all. Thanks. Thanks. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. smarter than us. Those in the industry with knowledge to trust. We know we aren't perfect. Sometimes it's a bust. Public Power Underground is a production of Klatskin IPUD and News Data. The views expressed here are our own and not the official views of Klatskin IPUD, News Data, or the organizations of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground, which includes PNUC, BPA, Seattle City Light. So, uh... It's their own thoughts. Uh, I'm going to give that promo free. Uh, it's just that's the standard for all of our episodes. It's our own thoughts. Uh, don't blame your bosses. Public Power Underground is public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective. It's written and directed by Klatskin IPUD's power department, led by me, Paul Dockery, and it's edited and published by the stellar team of Pioneer Utility Resources, led by associate producer Sarah Wooden. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiasts, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. Public Power Underground. For electric utility enthusiasts, Public Power Underground, it's work to watch.